The defendant's commission of these four murders over a 10-day period is one of the worst killing sprees in the history of this state. Skin them sometimes, uh, slit them, slit them all the way open. Uh, I'm here looking for the spirits of anybody that still remains. I have a device in my hand. If you would like to talk to it, please come forward. Tell me your story. Maybe I should have killed four or five hundred people. Then I would have felt better. Then when I felt like I really offered society something. You are listening to Serial Spirits, the podcast. Hey guys, welcome back to another Serial Snippet, a mini episode of Serial Spirits Podcast. My name is Annie Weebs, and my guest tonight is someone that has become a dear friend inside and outside of the paranormal world. She is a paranormal investigator. She's an author and a podcaster. She is my creepy sister from another mister, Ms. Tessa Morrow. What's up, girl? Weaves, thanks for having me on, girl. I always love chatting with you. Absolutely. So everybody uh, has to realize that, you know, these serial snippet episodes, we're keeping to about 30 minutes, but you and I have had hours of conversations about paranormal, about true crime, conspiracy theories, but we want to focus really on one sole story for tonight's episode. And so when you and I were chatting briefly about it before, um, and I asked you what story you would like to cover, it didn't surprise me that you brought up Michael's name. Yeah, you know, Michael uh, was a very good friend of mine, best friend. And uh, before his death, though, we unfortunately kind of stopped talking a few years before that. But yeah, he's always kind of around, and I've had mediums approach me telling me so, and one even describing him to a T, and he he died fairly young, Annie. It was unfortunate. He's uh, forever part of the 27 Club, and he, it was just too much alcohol, and uh, yeah, it, it, I, I took his death really hard, and when you're best friends with someone and then you kind of stop talking to them and then years later they die, I guess it's just one of those things you have to experience, you know, like you don't know how you'll act or feel or react or anything. And I, I, I took his death really hard. I, I don't know what happened. I, I just would lose it. I would start crying. I would just think of all the times we had, and um, wished that we could have become friends again. And suddenly I just started feeling him around me. And oh, it was a few nights before his funeral. I was sitting in, at my dad's house on the couch and I was watching TV. And uh, actually I was in the armchair and to the left was the couch. And I'm sitting there, and I'm crying, and I'm just like, why can't I get you out of my head? And 
suddenly, you know, when you, you have that feeling, I know you've had it before where you know, you're being watched. And so I, I feel him and I looked my, I see my peripheral vision that someone's sitting there on the couch and I look over and it's him. It's Michael. Wow. And full, full bodied apparition. I, I mean, I kid you not. Like I've seen them before, but this one was so clear. Like I kind of like touched him, and it, it it just was mind blowing to me. And it was one of those things that like just my my adrenaline was running so high at that point. I looked over, and I didn't want to close my eyes because I knew when I did, he would be gone. And it was to the point where eventually you have to close your eyes. And so I did, and when I opened them, he was gone. And it was just, it was just one of those things that I'll never, ever forget. I, 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 I don't know. It's just an amazing feeling, not only just being a paranormal investigator, but also, like, verification. Like, wow, this person who I really cared about is here and looking after me. And because I was a mess, Annie. Oh, man, I, it was, like, really pathetic how bad it was for me but um I I started having people tell me about him like one medium told me she described him to a T she's like he's good looking he has dark hair he has tattoos all over his arms and um he's tall and yada yada and uh, and she said and uh, his name's Michael and I was just yeah and and so um for your listeners that's not his real name. It's, um, I, I have a book out, and so I have his name in that book as Michael, because uh, he comes from a family who would sue each other if they knew they could get a buck. Mm-hmm. And so I, I, I saw dollar signs in their eyes if they, you know, knew I was talking about their son and so I, uh, and brother, so I ended up with Michael. And um, she was just like, yep, Michael. And at this point, I already was working on the book for two years, and... It was just uh, one of those things. I told her, well, yeah, everything's right, except uh, his hair was blonde. It wasn't, you know, dark. And she was quiet for a second, and she looks confused, and she's like, okay, well, I just asked him if he's the Michael that you're thinking of. And he said yes. And she's like, and something he told me, which is confusing to me, but maybe it'll make sense to you, is that he said that... um, when I asked him if, you know, why did he change the color of his hair? Why did he show me with dark hair, not blonde? And she's like, he told me that if Tessa could change my name, I could change the color of my hair. Oh, wow. (laughs) And yeah. And she didn't know about my book at that point. I mean, I ended up of course telling her about the book, but you know, she did it. So she was really confused about that. And when I told her about it, it was just like, wow. Yeah. That makes 100% sense. You know, it makes sense then, but it's, it's just one of those things that he's, he's always around. And, you know, not only that, but I've, I've gotten EVPs from him, like when we're investigating and he'll, he'll, I'll get EVPs from him on the recorder, but also I'll get his voice on spirit box sessions too. And, um, Oh, another thing that the medium told me is that she said, okay, so there's people, mutual friends that aren't believers, and he's going to help you make them believe. And I was like, well, how is he going to do that? And she's like, well, 
he wants to, um, when you go to Pennsylvania, he's going to be there and he's going to appear in a picture. And I'm like, yeah. And I was like, oh, okay, you know, whatever. And she's like, so when are you going? He said that you're going to Pennsylvania. And I was like, well, it's been my goal to get to Gettysburg. I was like, I really want to go there, you know, and being in North Carolina part-time, I'm not too terribly far away. (laughs) And she's like, well, he said that when you're there, he's going to go with you and that he'll be in pictures and then that will be your proof because he wasn't a believer either. He was like your mutual friends, but now he is a believer, obviously, because he's on the other side. And so I thought that was really interesting, you know? And so I I went to Gettysburg, and it was a really a last-minute kind of thing. We still had like 600 miles to go, so and we had to get somewhere by a certain time that night. So me and my mom, we, we were in New York, and we were going through Pennsylvania. So we stopped in Gettysburg for, I swear, it was such a teaser, like 30 minutes. And so I didn't get the picture, but... I'm planning on going back for a more fuller investigation uh, and, and you know, to check out the sites and stuff. So we'll see what happens. But it's definitely um, just one of those things where, uh, the, like, it was like the night afterwards, I went to the cemetery, which is a block from my house or a couple blocks. And I asked him, I said, Michael. Um, the medium told me this, are you going to be with me? She said, you're going to, you know, take a picture. Are you going to be with me? And I got an EVP of a whisper saying, I'm always with you. And so, um, yeah, so it's just really interesting stuff. But yeah, he's, he's always around me. I, I always feel him. And um, somebody actually said, you know, when you feel him around, you should, write the time and day and Mm -hmm. so I started doing that and I I didn't think anything of it but then I looked at the paper and I was just like god there's a lot of seven o'clocks and eleven o'clocks like you know like not on the dot but you know different times and I was just like that's really interesting and there were a few other different times but they were like overshadowed by sevens and elevens and I don't know what that means you Mm -hmm. know I just um so yeah and I've gotten signs from him too, besides the the mediums and the the we and um the times and the EVPs and stuff. Um, I used to work for this haunted hotel. It's um one of Colorado's oldest hotels, and I was there for a seasonal job. And I uh, I thought of him, and like I felt him, and so I wrote down the time, and then I go out of the room, because I was living at the time, I was living at the hotel, and so I, I get out of there to start work, and uh, I'm standing there grabbing a croissant, and all of a sudden, the door opens, the elevator door, and this guy comes out, and it, it was a dead ringer of Michael, it wow. was like... Yeah, I, I was like, no, are you serious? So I, I ran down the stairs because he, he was uh, he was going down the stairs. So I, I ran down the stairs, and um, I guess him and his dad were checking out. And so I was standing there at the desk pretending that I was texting somebody, and I um, took a picture of him. And I showed mutual friends, and they're like, oh, my God, that looks just like him. And so... I, you know, I don't know if that was just a coincidence or uh, a sign, but I thought it was really, really cool that, like, I felt his presence super strong, and then all of a sudden I saw, like, a doppelganger version of him. That's so bizarre. <laughs> so, like, yeah. in life, when you're talking about Michael, was he, you know, in life as, um, 
as direct as he has been in death? Is he one of those people that would have come to you and, and you know, confided things in you and, you know, somebody that you would expect to have that same kind of just very strong presence, you know, in, in whatever existence he's in now? Yeah, I think so. I, I, I do see a similarity for sure. He was definitely uh, one of those people that would say what was on his mind. And um, so some people might laugh, but he, he, looks, he looked identical to the rapper Eminem. Like, they, they could have been twins. Wow. Like, you put them next to each other, and he looks more like Eminem than Eminem's real brother looks like him. That's so crazy. Like, I know, like, really crazy. And so, of course, there's a lot of people out there who look like Eminem, but just the fact that this guy kind of came out when I was thinking, yeah. I was like, oh, wow, pinch me now. But, um, yeah, he, uh, he he was really a private person, though, and he really didn't talk a lot about about certain things. And we, we had a close-knit group of friends, and we'd all party and hang out together, play poker, smoke cigars, drink you know, out of our beer bongs, and, um, so we, there were a lot of times, though, where we would just hang out, just me and him, privately, and, and that's when he would open up to me and tell me things, and, um, yeah, unfortunately, he came from a family that wasn't that great, like, his dad and grandpa are awesome guys, I love his grandpa, he's such a neat guy, but, yeah, his brothers and mom and other people, they're just not good news, so he really, didn't talk about that. I, I don't know if it embarrassed him or what, but uh, I always kidded around saying his mom reminded me of, I don't watch the show anymore, but Big Bang Theory, Howard's mom. You'd always <laughs> hear her yelling, but you would never, <laughs> Howard! Yeah. Um, but you would never see her. And that's what it was. Like, she knew these underage kids were there drinking and partying and doing whatever. And she just, like, she really just didn't care. And he had younger brothers who would run around town. And I love Pueblo. It's my, my hometown, Pueblo, Colorado. But it's it's not the safest. There's a lot of murder. There's a lot mm -hmm. of crime. And um, she would just let these, like, preteens be running around amok. And so... Just goes to show a little bit of the background of where this guy came from, but he was he was neat. There was another time, Annie, that I had a, um, a sign from him, or what I feel was a sign. I was at the cemetery, and I was just talking to him. I was just like, you know, and I'm sure maybe you have done it too, where you go to visit a loved one at the cemetery, and um, with me anyways, I'll talk. I'll talk as if they're right there in front of me. And heck, a lot of the times they are, but I talk as if it's a living soul in front of me. And I, I just talk, talk, talk. And, um, one time I was just like, you know what, Michael, I really wish that you would answer me someday. Like, um, not EVP, but, uh, like you usually do, but just something else. Like, like talk to me, give me a sign. And as soon as I said that, before I could even finish what I was saying, all of a sudden the sprinkler closest to me goes off. But only that one, none of the others. And it went off for like two seconds and then it, um, getting me a wet and then it stopped. Hmm. And then I looked around and I started to laugh and all of a sudden I felt a hand on my shoulder. Like I felt somebody touch me and I looked behind me and not, nobody was there, nobody at all. And I never encounter anybody when I'm around that area because it's in the far back of the cemetery where the cremains are. Mm -hmm. And so, um, it was just like one of those things where it's like, yeah, okay, message received. I know you're here. 
Um, right. But I, I, you know, and um, he also came to me through a Ouija board when I, uh, the night before I went to Waverly Hills. So wow. I was in Louisville, Kentucky, and I was at my friend David's house, who's a, he's a witch. And um, we, uh, you know, I just wanted to sit and watch. And he had a Ouija board that his family has had since like the 30s. And so I was just kind of sitting there as him and two gals started with a planchette and starting a session and I was just sitting back with the paper and pen and just like you know writing down the results and um it was really interesting they, they were asking who was around and a few minutes goes by and then um after they were done talking with somebody then all of a sudden it spells out Michael wow. and they, they're like, okay, well, do you guys know Michael who died? No, no, no. And they look at me, and I'm like, yeah, I know someone. And they're like, is this the Michael that Tessa knows? And then it, it went to um, Scorpio. And they looked at me, and I was like, yeah, he was a Scorpio. I was like, I'm the last day of a Libra. And he was like a week after me, and I was like making him a Scorpio. And they're like, what year did you die? And it goes to 2013, and he did. He died in 2013. Mm-hmm. and um yeah you know it's me because i didn't it's it, it you know some people might be like some skeptics might be like well you knew the answer so of course you're there well no i they, these people besides david who i met like a month earlier and i only hung out with like twice he didn't really know my life history at all and these two girls i met that night and so and i didn't ask the questions and my hands never touched the planchette and so for the skeptic, I, I, I always like to tell that because I just, I still can't explain it. Like, you know, it's like, it's just one of those really neat experiences and encounters, but it's so neat that he came as Michael once right. again, um, you know, first the medium and then this, and, you know, um, I know one of the first times me and you had a discussion over a year ago, we were talking about, um, I was talking about him and you're like, you felt him and you, I remember one thing you said that really made me know it was him, that he was pacing in front of you back and forth, cracking his knuckles. Oh yeah. I forgot about that. Yeah. So (laughs) yeah. So what, what Tessa is talking about is, you know, like, like you said about a year ago, I think you were interviewing me for your radio show at the time. And he just kind of came through as you're describing him. And it was one of those things that was almost impossible to kind of push him to the side because I felt like whatever it was was relevant. And yeah, I remember standing in my kitchen and and seeing him kind of pacing back and forth, just cracking his knuckles, just just very anxiously almost. Right. Yeah. And that really, and he used to do that all the time. And then I know you like mentioned tattoos and he had tattoos and um, you, you were just mentioning a few things about how he's like, reunited with an older woman and you know his grandma they were like besties like they were such good like dear friends and very close and oh I don't even remember what year it was but several years ago in Pueblo um the West Nile virus came through taking two or three victims and she was one of the victims oh wow yeah, and so he, he, it was excruciating, obviously, and it, he took it very, very hard, you know, a hard pill to swallow, and, um, 
you know, because she was healthy and active at that point, and then to just, you know, have this nasty, horrific disease take you away, but yeah, I know you were talking about her, and you just were talking about a lot of, a lot of things, and um, it was really neat, you know, I've had, I've had, like I said, he's not shy, it's like, I've had several mediums and approach me and telling me that he's very much around and I, I take comfort in it you know right. like you said we weren't friends at the end of his life but I feel like we're closer now in death than in life which yeah. is weird but it, it is what it is I guess. So why do you think that he chooses to come through as Michael his you know pseudonym for the book instead of his real name do you think it's because he knows that you are more willing to talk about him under the name Michael than you would be if you were to go by his real name um yeah I don't know I think because he's like he's always there that he he very well is familiar with you know for over four years now I've been considering him as Michael in my book and in the in the radio show and and now the podcast and so I think that he's very aware of that and I don't know if it's just kind of like a joke like haha I'm with you still and I know that you're doing it like this or whatever and it it might be that because yeah like I said I I can't even afford a full take of gas right now let alone a lawsuit so yeah it's really (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> really unable to, you know, um, go into details about his name, but yeah, it's really neat um, that he uh, that he does that. You know, it's it's just another verification. You know, it's it's just one of those things where he's very familiar with what's happening. <laughs> if you've talked to any of his family since you wrote the book and started doing the podcast. Um, do you know if any of them have had any experiences like you've had? Um, that's a good question. You know, his, I used to be close with his family, but, um, and even when he died, I tried to kind of, um, put his, his, uh, middle brother under my wing, try to just spend time with him and be like an older sister to him. And it just came to the point that he was using me for money, like for a free meal. And so I I unfortunately stopped that, you know, I severed that friendship. And I don't know if they've, if they've felt him around or not. I I really don't think they're a spiritual bunch. I don't know if, you know, if they're skeptics or if they don't believe or what. But I, yeah, I don't know. I, uh. You know, one day I ran into his grandpa. This is actually how I met his grandpa. I was at the cemetery, and um, at the time, his uh, nameplate wasn't on the vault yet where his Cree names are. And so I was just standing there, and an older an older man kind of approached me and was just like, Hi, how are you? And I was like, Well, I'm good. I'm just here visiting my friend Michael. And he's like, Oh. Uh, and then he said his last name, and I was like, yeah, I was like, I was like, who are you? And he's like, oh, I'm his grandpa, and it was just the sweetest thing, but yeah, I mean, this guy, he was just, um, you know, his, his wife and his 
son are on the opposite side of the wall from where his now grandson is. Mm-hmm. And I'll have to, I haven't talked to him in about a year. I hope he's still alive. I hope he's still kicking. I'll have to maybe throw a text his way and see what he's up to. And if anybody in that family would feel anything, I bet you it would be his grandpa. So I'll have to, I'll have to, that'll have to be a to be continued part two uh, answer. <laughs> yeah, I, I just always think it's interesting when you're talking about relatives and, and you know that you have had these experiences with yeah. your loved one, your friends, if they have come to them. But like you said, it also depends on how much, how open-minded they are to things like that. I know that when my grandfather passed, I have had visitations. I had visitations from my grandfather before he passed and after he passed. And there were members of my family who said, you were just grief-stricken. You just imagined that, you know, those dreams didn't mean anything. Whatever you're calling visitations really weren't that. And, And my answer to them was, Maybe it was real, and maybe your skepticism keeps him from visiting you. Actually, it was my mom. My mom became very angry wow. with me. She she was um, his power of attorney and had to make some difficult decisions uh, towards the end of his life. And I, I think she was a little angry that I felt that I had spoken with him, and she said, well, I'm his daughter. Why didn't he? Or why didn't I? And my answer was, because you've not opened your mind enough to allow him to come to you that way. Right. Absolutely. Well, and see, the thing is, is that sometimes people ask me, why you? Why did Michael come to you? And you guys weren't even friends the last several years of his life. And it, it's like the only thing I could honestly think of, Annie, is that I, I'm i a believer. I, I, I've tried to communicate with him. I, I, I know the paranormal's out there. I know it's real. My my life is surrounded by it. I've had so many results in my life and encounters um, and investigations that I full-heartedly know that the paranormal's real. It's not like a belief. It's like, I know. I know it's there. So I think that he felt that and felt comfortable, like, you know, and of course, yeah, that's your, that's his daughter, but you're his granddaughter, you know, and that's a huge connection too. I mean, that's a very close connection. And so I, I, I feel bad for the people when they don't believe in the paranormal. Like I'm not one of those people that will try to talk to you till I'm blue in the face trying to get you to like believe, but it's, I, I have to ask at least the open-minded skeptics, like, yeah, why not give it a, why not have an open mind to it at least? Because what if like your mom or dad or brother or sister or grandma or grandpa, whoever, your best friend, what if they're trying to get a hold of you? What if they're trying to visit you, right. whether it's in a dream or a phantom smell or whatever? And I think it's such a shame. Like what harm could it do to believe? Like what if a family member wants to get a hold of you? You right. know, I think it's, you're like kind of shutting the door in their face. Like literally it's like, nope, not having it. Right. <laughs> And then it was it was funny because within probably six months or so, my mom opened up to me a little bit and said, well, there was this one instance. And it's one of those things that snowballs from there. And I was like, why didn't you tell me that day yeah. that we had that conversation? 
why didn't you tell me that this was something that you had experienced? Because it was a, I mean, she saw something. She heard something that she thought was my dad in the house. And it was absolutely not my father. And I'm like, see, all you have to do is open up your mind enough to believe that, you know, in life, I don't think there are coincidences. I think yeah. everything happens for a reason. Everyone you meet is put here on your path to somehow enrich and enlighten your journey. And I think that's what I, you know, for any skeptic, I think it's healthy to have that level of skepticism, but do so with an open mind because you don't want to miss out on something that could actually be really special. Oh, yeah, I 100% agree. And, you know, both you and me, we know that not everything's paranormal, of course. You, you'd be out on, you know, at an investigation site conducting an investigation, and not every single thing is paranormal, but there's so many things that you just, like, that happen that you can't explain. And, um, yeah, I, I, I always kid around telling people my life would be so devastatingly boring if there were no paranormal involved <laughs> mine too <laughs> it really would i would be like the most dull person in the world like no, seriously <laughs> i would be too 100 percent. tessa we're gonna wrap up this story but what i want you to tell everyone um you have an amazing new podcast out right now so tell everyone how they can find you in the podcast world yeah, you know, so um, the podcast, I just released the fifth episode uh, today, and actually it was about an encounter with my grandma, and um, anyways, um, it's called Paranormal Prowlers Podcast, and I'm still finding outlets for it, so I'm I'm on CastBox, I'm, I'm on um, mm, CastBox, and iTunes Radio, and also on my social media under Tess Tomorrow or Paranormal Prowlers. Uh, you could find me there where I'm posting every single episode as well. And soon it'll be on iTunes, but not at the very moment. I'm still working on that. But yeah, it's it's been a, a blast so far and getting a lot of neat people to come on, including Annie. She'll be on soon. And uh, yeah, then my book... Uh, Paranormal Prowlers, I'm Always With You. The I'm Always With You was the uh, EVP for Michael, and so I put that as part of the book. And um, you could get that on Amazon. Uh, you could get it Kindle. Um, if you're a Prime member, you can get the book for free, um, the ebook. And if you want a signed copy, uh, you could go through me at paranormal underscore prowlers at AOL.com, and then you'll get a little bookmark with it as well. Uh, I make every bookmark and with a little tombstone at the bottom that says read in peace. Um, <laughs> kind of nerdy, but you know, it's okay. It's great. <laughs> um, <nice. laughs> but yeah, that's, so that's, that's about it. And a radio show for 27 months last week was the last show and, uh, anybody interested in hearing some of those, I, I have those as well. So there you have it. Tessa Morrow, you are the best. You are a dear friend. <laughs> it, it's it's a joy to know you uh, and, and to have you on for this. So you guys, uh, stay tuned again in two weeks. We will be back with another Serial Spirit. Bye, guys. <laughs>